I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. This is Romy Newman, and today I'm talking to Laura Fuentes, who is the Senior Vice President of Talent and Rewards at Hilton. Laura and her team are doing amazing things to make Hilton a wonderfully inclusive place, and I'm so lucky to have her talking to us today. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much. I am delighted to be here. I'm a big fan of Fairy God Boss, and we are proud partners and really, really honored to be here with you today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, so, Laura, would love to start out by asking you, just tell us about you. Tell us the story of your career. How has it progressed, and how did you end up in this role at Hilton? Absolutely. So, I actually, my career has taken many different twists and turns and um, to, to arrive at where I am today. So I started off my career in engineering. I actually studied civil engineering, um, got a master's in structural engineering. So I went to UVA undergrad, UT for grad school. And I worked as an engineer for a couple of years at a, a small firm. It was a British firm opening up its first U.S. office and, uh, in New York City. So I kind of started off my career in uh, steel-toed boots and a hard hat. And I realized that while I loved the sort of mathematical side of engineering, I didn't really want to spend the rest of my life um, doing that very detailed, you know, engineering and architectural work. So I wanted to expand my perspective a little bit, Uh, went to business school for that, got my MBA at Columbia, and then did what most people do when they don't exactly know what they want to be when they grow up and uh, worked in consulting. And so I did that for a couple of years uh, at McKinsey. And then, um, you know, had some great projects along the way, was both in New York and in D.C., and eventually followed uh, one of the folks I had worked with who left to work at Capital One. So I joined that company. I had done a lot of financial services work while at McKinsey and uh, joined their strategy group. And uh, loved the culture, loved being, you know, sort of in-house on the strategy side, but then also realized over the years, all the things that I had kind of picked up and done on the side of my desk were related to people. So I was always very involved with learning, with recruitment, with diversity um, along the way. And so I kind of raised my hand for a change and said, hey, would there be something in HR for me? And so I transitioned with uh, Capital One into HR. My first role was running workforce analytics for the company, which was a great intersection for me of consulting, math, analytics, and learning the HR discipline. And then I rotated through a few different functions, recruitment, compensation, um, which really gave me a great foundation of all things HR. And then uh, six years ago, I moved over to Hilton. So um, Capital One and Hilton are actually right across the street from each other outside of DC. And I was all super intrigued when I saw Hilton move in. They had moved from Beverly Hills to uh, the D.C. area and was uh, really attracted by the idea of a new industry, a global industry at that. And so I've happily been here for six years. Absolutely love it. And uh, my teams at Hilton, you know, really are in charge of the team member experience. So from recruiting to learning to compensation and benefits, diversity and inclusion. So we are really focused on creating a great workplace for, you know, 400,000 team members around the world. So that's me in a nutshell. That's an incredible story. So from structural engineering to engineering uh, talent in a huge global organization. And I I think what's really cool about that is um, 
it helps really assert just how essential and important the, the talent and the direction and progress and investment the talent is in the organization. And it's cool to see Hilton invest in that way in your efforts. Yeah, um, absolutely. So tell us, if you don't mind, could you talk to us a little bit? Do you feel like gender has played a role in your career along the way, whether back in your days as an engineer or now all the way to your career today? Tell us about that experience. You know, as I reflect back on my career, um, it's interesting because when I think of starting in an engineering environment and now in HR, I I started off in a very male-dominated environment, right? I was very often the only woman on a project, the only woman on a site, Um, although there were some great and inspiring leaders in that space too, but mostly male-dominated. And now in HR, right, within my function, I feel like it's a very woman-dominated space. And so it's been an interesting sort of pivot. But I think what that has taught me along the way, um, and I'll also caveat, like I've never, I've been very fortunate and, uh, and probably deliberate in some ways, like I've never worked in a toxic or hostile environment. But certainly along the way, like you learn things about yourself, about your ambition, your confidence. And I think starting off my career in a more male-dominated environment, you know, really taught me to find my voice, to be confident in my opinions and in my recommendations, no matter you know, who's at the table and if I'm the only one of my background or demographic at the table. And so it was a good lesson to learn early on in my career. Um, I then, you know, I have two uh, boys, so uh, a mom twice throughout my career and had to take, you know, leaves for that and and come back and really think long and hard about what kind of a mom do I want to be? What kind of a career do I want to have? How do I reconcile these two things? And again, figure out what's going to work for me and communicate that really effectively prioritize my work because I realized that I, I wanted to have both a you know career I could be proud of and a family um, that I would be very present for. So I think, you know, now looking at, at where I'm at now from a leadership perspective, working in HR, part of what my team does is think about diversity and inclusion for Hilton, which is an incredibly diverse organization with, you know, as I mentioned, 400,000 team members. We operate in over 100 countries. Um, But we have to be very deliberate about our choices around inclusion, right? So we can be diverse by nature, but we must be inclusive by choice. And I love to bring, you know, my career journey to the table here because I know what it feels like to be the only one in a room. I try to be very sensitive to working parents. I, you know, try to pay attention to everyone finding their voice and their true self, you know, whether it's the only man in an HR team or an ethnic minority that, um, you know, doesn't see other people look the way they do in a certain setting. And I try to audit my behaviors as a leader, whether it's who joins in a certain meeting, what opportunities do we provide to the team, how do I make sure folks are getting the same access. And then also from a programmatic perspective for Hilton, how do we create dialogue, conversation amongst groups, uh, make sure that we've got diverse representation at all levels of the organization. So I think that uh, some of my experience certainly comes to bear there. um, And I think, you know, creating a place where I can empathize because I understand the experiences of others um, is what I hope, you know, my career has taught me along the way. I love it. And it sounds like you bring a really uh, thoughtful and deliberate framework to it all. So uh, that's exciting. Let's talk about women helping women, which, you know, if I could, mm-hmm. like, if there's one change I could make to the world today, it would be more women helping women advance. 
What has worked along the way in your career, and what do you do to help advance women in your own day-to-day? Yeah, it's an awesome question. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so I'll tell you what, what has worked, uh, both in, I think, really constructive ways where people were trying to be helpful, and then also, you know, you encounter those, those moments where people are probably not being super helpful, but that ultimately also teaches you some great lessons that you carry with you. So, you know, I think the things that have been helpful to me um, is at every step of, of my career trying to find, you know, women who offered great advice, who offered a safe space, or who offered an opportunity to co-create. And so I'll pause on each of those, you know, early on in my career in particular, but all along the way, like the women who have the courage to give you the feedback that you need um, with compassion, with empathy, but with directness, right? Because I think, you know, oftentimes I'll see people shy away from giving women, you know, other minorities feedback because they don't know how to deliver it. They're afraid of how it's going to be received. And then I think that creates a you know, gross deficit because, you know, these individuals are then operating without having full knowledge of their performance, of their brand. So I'm always very, very grateful for the women along the way, and I've had many who have set, pulled me aside and given me very straight-up feedback. I remember my first consulting role, my development manager, you know, told me, stop apologizing. I would start every sentence with, I'm sorry for being late. I'm sorry I didn't think of this. I'm sorry for that. And she just stopped me in my tracks and was like, just don't do that, right? You don't need to like emphasize this in every sentence. So I've carried that with me. Um, yeah, you know, I had a first similar space, experience with the first yeah. boss that really changed my life. I love that advice. Yeah. I, yeah, and I feel like I, I'm Feedback sure I've done that empathy. to others now because you, you see that with the perspective of more experience, right? But when you're starting off sometimes, it just, um, it just seems to come naturally to us. Um, you know, the women who have offered a safe space to me, I'm very grateful for. And this is colleagues, but also, you know, friends that I've had over the last 20 years who sort of form your kitchen cabinet, your little venting machine space where they know you, they can coach you through challenges or forks in the road, um, and can just help you sort of problem solve life, career, family. I rely very heavily on a couple of dear, dear friends in that space, and I think it's just essential to maintaining your sanity and, and sense of self. Um, and then lastly, you know, the women that I get to co-create with, I think one of the ways in which women can be the most helpful is in providing opportunity and teaching one another our craft. And I am so fortunate. I mean, I've got an extraordinary team of colleagues, of leaders, of women on my team who are deep experts in what they do and also just great human beings and take care of their people, inspire, you know, the folks that work for them, inspire me. Um, and I feel like we all hold hands and believe in a mission and try to deliver that together, but we create opportunities for one another in doing that, whether it's a, um, you know, presence on a project or, you know, a, a design that we're working on or a speaking opportunity, but like getting to co-create something cool with smart women is definitely something I, I look to be a part of and I look to create for the women that I, um, that I am lucky enough to lead. I'll say, you know, in the not so helpful advice uh, column, I also feel like I received early on in my career, but it was actually a really interesting wake-up call. I started out, um, you know, actually my career post-MBA with a, my son was about eight months old and it was a bit wow, of a, a rarity, right? We didn't, yeah, it was a little intense. I think people thought I was a little, um, 
you know, yeah, probably not thinking wisely about my career and, <laughs> and making those choices. But so I was kind of seeking out some mentorship, some guidance, trying to find my way. And I remember reaching out to um, a woman who I knew had children and was a, you know, great and respected leader. And she didn't really know me, um, so didn't know that I already had a child. And so I, you know, introduced myself and had asked for time on her calendar and just wanted to get some perspective on raising a family and doing this work. And she was like, oh, no, no, you don't have kids yet. You know, you just got started here. Like, just prove yourself. Oh, like, get a few years under your belt. And I was like, yeah, too late. My son's, like, at home. I've got a nine-month-old. And so then she just kind of stopped and looked at me and said, oh, well, then outsource it. And it was really interesting because I wasn't sure what she meant. Like, did she mean I should outsource my child? Should I outsource the work? Neither of which was really an option. So I really reflected on that, and it made me think about, okay, well, how am I going to get my work done? How am I going to prioritize and focus on what matters and communicate? And I'm not outsourcing my child, and I want to have this career. So in giving me that advice, which felt a little bit outrageous at the time, and I laugh about it now, it actually forced me to do the soul searching and figure out what was going to work for me and what advice did I want to give someone in 10, 15 years when they, you know, come seek me out. Um, and it actually, I think, forced me to, to do some really important work and helped guide a lot of decisions I made from then on. So it was actually extraordinarily helpful advice, even though it probably wasn't packaged as such at the time. Interesting. Well, I love that you got something helpful out of it. Um, and I love these three pieces of, of advice, the, the advice and feedback with empathy, safe space, and co-creation. It's really, um, it's, uh, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very uplifting. It seems so positive and progressive. And I love this idea of women working together. So thank you for that. Um, so one of the things we talk a lot about on our Carrie Godboss community and outside of it is what does it really mean to be a good manager? And for mm -hmm. our audience, um, it's so important not only how to be a good manager, but also how to determine when they're looking for a job, what, are the, what, is the, what should you look for to find a manager who's the right and a good manager for you? I'll, I'll outline probably four important roles. Um, I think a great manager is a great recruiter, a great teacher, a great mentor, and a great sponsor. And I'll talk about those um, each individually, right? So first of all, you need to be a great recruiter because you need to make sure that you're attracting talent, right? Like you're not a manager if no one wants to work for you. If you have no followership, you're not a leader. So not only convincing people to join your dream, your adventure, your team, but then also re-recruiting them. So once you've got a great team in yeah. place, you've got to make sure that they're opting in to work with you and that you're checking in with them, that – you know, they're falling in love with you all over again, right? That um, you're keeping a finger on the pulse of their engagement of what makes them tick. So this idea that we need to recruit and re-recruit our people and managers who take that seriously and spend time, you know, being both talent magnets but ultimately um, also exporters, and I'll talk about that as we, as we talk about sponsorship, then, you know, you've got to be a teacher. So you hire great people, bring them on board to, or into your team. You've got to teach them, and not just the hard skills, the technical skills, but also EQ, life skills, compassion, vulnerability, how to be a great leader, how to bounce forward from your mistakes. Um, and I think, you know, finding both formal and informal moments to teach 
your people, whether it's in a you know, group setting or a presentation or a leadership development course, but also those smaller moments where you have an opportunity to have you know, a moment of shared humanity or you've gone through something that someone on your team is going through um, and, and making sure that they're learning from you. Um, and then you know, mentorship and sponsorship, I, I talk about these separately because I think mentorship is all about you know, providing guidance and advice and sharing your wisdom and experience with people. And at Hilton, we say and like to hold all of our managers to be accountable as mentors to their people. But then we also want to go the extra step, right? And I'm trying to hold myself accountable to be not just a manager and a mentor, but a sponsor. Because I think sponsorship requires more skin in the game. And it requires actually creating opportunity, opening a door, sticking your neck out for someone, using your own currency to help advance someone else's career and help make them successful. And it can be in small gestures, again, you know, opening up um, a meeting to someone or uh, in making sure they're included in an email, you know, giving private or public praise to someone. But then also the bigger things, right? So if there's an opportunity on your team or on a really cool project where you want to give someone uh, the chance of a lifetime or a new job you hire someone into. So really thinking about um, inclusion and diversity through that lens I think is really important. And at Hilton we've got you know, both the, the formal mentoring and sponsorship, reaching up of people and talent, but we also try to build this informal culture of mentorship and sponsorship and making sure that leaders are accessible and authentic um, and, uh, and elevating the work of their team members and individuals. And I think we've created a really healthy environment to, to do that uh, over the years and, uh, and one that our team members are telling us is working for them. So, so that's what I try to hold myself accountable and we try to replicate at a larger scale with our leaders at Hilton. I love that. And I do have to say that in my own personal experience, I've had sponsors that have made all the difference, both what yeah. you said in terms of bringing, uh, bringing me into rooms, giving me an opportunity to present the things I worked on, but also um, clearing away the, the internal obstacles I was facing so that my work could yep. succeed. It really made a huge difference. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the thing with mentors and sponsors and the best ones, I think, throughout my career, they almost, they saw the potential in me before I did, right? And I think that's the greatest gift, actually, that we can give people is that um, helping them see the possibilities within their own potential, within their own careers, and giving them that extra push of confidence. Because, you know, once you look back on 20 years of experience, now I, I kind of know what it takes, and I know great talent when I see it. And at times, right, like if I had to talk back to my 25-year-old self, uh, where I was much more insecure and had less mm -hmm. experience and, you know, not as confident in my voice and, you know, a lot of imposter syndrome, right? Like that's when you needed a mentor or sponsor to tell you, no, I see this. Like you can do this. Like I'm going to have your back. You can try this new role, project, et cetera. So um, I think that can be really transformative, and it certainly has been for me, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the men and women who've done that for me that I, I want to pay it forward. I love that. Um, all right. So you said that you wanted to have a career you could love and a family you mm -hmm. could be present for, which is just like my dream and I think everybody else's. Um, 
So talk to us about how have you struck that work-life balance, if at all, and what's important to you in your life? How do you make it work? Yep. No, it's been, you know, never never 100% perfect, but I feel like it's been um, a really big theme for my career, right, is finding that elusive balance and, um, and, and, you know, figuring out how to make it all work. And like I said, I mean, I started my career pretty early on with, um, with my son, Alex, um, as a baby, and then, you know, quickly had my second son, Nico. And, um, and so I've had to navigate this for a large part of my career. And I think earlier on, you know, I solved for balance and I solved for making sure that I had very neat lines drawn between my work life and my home life. And it forced me actually to be very clear about what those boundaries were to myself, to my team, to my managers at the time, because, you know, the first few months probably as I started work with, um, with my son, you know, I realized I was just trying to do everything I could to be super present at work, stay the long hours, travel where needed. And I realized sort of three months in, I really hadn't spent any time with my son and that wasn't going to work for me. So I walked into work and was ready to resign actually after only a few months on the job. But then wow. my, our staffing coordinator, who was kind of the, the person in charge of assigning our projects, told me, well, listen, you haven't really told us what you need. So why don't you figure that out? And then let's give that a shot before you, you know, quit on us. And so, again, that really forced me to think about, okay, like, what are my must-haves, nice-to-haves? Like, what kind of a balance do I want here? But then, not only did I have to figure that out for myself, I had to kind of stand up for it because I realized it really wasn't my employer's job to figure out and help me be a great mom day-to-day or my boss's job to remember, oh, you should go home now to relieve the nanny. I needed to figure that out and figure out what I wanted to um, accomplish on the home front. And I needed to be confident enough to stand up for those decisions and defend them. And, and our so, own demands of us are, of ourselves are often greater than even those around us, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So they were, you know, and that's what, um, ultimately I remember this, this woman telling me, she's like, you've been doing awesome for us. Like, if this isn't working for you at home or you haven't reached like your all of your goals and you've got to figure that out. And so then I started these years when my kids were younger where um, I worked flexible schedules. I always got my work done, but then I figured how to have, um, you know, sort of the right presence on the home front. And I really tried to defend and separate the two. As my kids have gotten older, I realized that I don't need to necessarily sacrifice my growth, my career ambition for the comfort of a predictable schedule at home. I am driving a much more integrated view now. And I'll give you a couple of examples, uh, recent ones. So just last week we were on spring break and um, I also had to attend a conference that I was very much looking forward to for work. And so we just picked up the whole family and went to have our spring break in beautiful Vancouver, Canada, where I could also attend my conference. And so I'm able to kind of show my kids now, teenagers, right, like that what I do is something that I'm very passionate about, um, that my career is something very fulfilling, that it provides for our family, and that it provides opportunities for our family as well. Um, Other things, you know, my family and my kids are obviously a huge pillar for me, but I also am really passionate about learning outside of work. I'm really passionate about spending time with my parents who live in Spain, uh, with my friends and, you know, sort of travel with my friends. And I'm a big planner. 
So every year I do a little bit of a life audit. Like, what are my resolutions? I'm a big New Year's resolution nerd. And I try to lay out, like, what are my goals for the year? How do I execute on the trips I want to take, my regular girls' night trips, my, you know, once-a-year vacation with, you know, this group of friends I've had for many, many years? What am I going to visit my parents? So I really plan in advance also for the things that matter to me outside of work. Um, and that's kind of how I hold myself accountable. So I think it, it really starts with being honest with yourself around what matters. That changes, by the way, at various stages of your life, right? So yeah, it's a little it's bit a different really from now than it was earlier. Need. Yeah, it's so important. Your kid, what your kids need from you today is not what they need from you five years ago or five years from now. And that's exactly a long time to learn. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And I felt like the first years um, when they were just starting kindergarten, I really wanted to be at the school pickup line. And that was really important to me. And then I could work in the evenings. Then as they grew older, can you imagine anything more embarrassing than your mom picking you up from school? Right. So I don't need to do that anymore, yeah. but it's more important to, you know, be there to have the conversations and, you know, do the meaningful things on the weekends and the evenings with them. So that certainly evolves. And, um, and I, I have to say, like, overall, it's never a perfect balance. Um, I'm looking for a more integrated view of my life. And I've realized it's okay to be a really ambitious person, both on the home front and on the work front. And um, overall, I feel like, you know, I'm doing my best as a human and as a mom, but I'm, I'm proud of where, where I'm at so far. I love that. I'm very inspired by what you said about being ambitious, both in the work space and the home space, because I think often it's, it's hard for us to speak that ambition in both places, in yeah. both sides. So I love that you, you name it. Um, I'm going to start doing that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, actually I'll give a shout out to one of my male mentors who, again, you know, um, called that out in me and was like, you know, you are quite ambitious. And so you should just accept that. And um, and, and embrace it. And it's okay. You know, you don't need to apologize for that or try to pretend that you're not on the home side or that you're more on this side. So it, it take, it took me many years to kind of accept that and admit it and realize that it was a good thing for, um, for my family and my work. Yeah. Great. Um, how about, are you willing to share a mistake you've made along the way and what you learned from it? Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll go back to a um, moment when I was first promoted to, uh, to being an executive. And I felt so honored, so humbled. I had worked really hard to get to that point. But I also felt a little bit like a little exposed, right, and a little insecure and um, that I, I didn't think quite deserve that, that recognition. Huh? Yeah, right. And so sure enough, get promoted. And then within a couple of weeks, um, I was then put in charge of, you know, new relationships and a new project at work. And I made it quite a basic mistake, but essentially didn't socialize um, some of the, the work that I had to do with key leaders and then ended up, you know, distributing very vastly this piece of work that was intended to be a little more confidential. And so it kind of went out blast oh, no. email to a large group of people. Yeah. Without oh. having done the proper socialization. And so it's one of those moments where you just feel this sinking feeling in your stomach and oh, I'm not worthy of this new, uh, promotion. And so I was, I was terrified and, um, and so apologetic and, you know, just 
the first conversation I had with my SVP after that was expecting to be completely, you know, put in my place and berated. And instead, this woman said, you know, I know you already feel terrible about this. And so all I'm going to say is that mistakes happen. I know you've learned what you needed to learn from this. And it's okay. Take a deep breath. No one died. We're going to be just fine. Let's move forward. But what I learned in that moment was just because I was projecting my own reaction, you know, that Mm -hmm. I might have had onto her. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if someone did this on my team and under my watch, I can't even imagine how upset I would be. And instead, she taught me to display, you know, compassion and, you know, forgiveness and understanding. Um, And that was incredible. I mean, I have carried that to this day. And and it was just interesting in her response. It was probably one of the most powerful leadership lessons um, that I've experienced throughout my career. So I, I definitely carry that to this day. That's such a nice story. I really love it. All right, so now we're yeah. going to ask you five fast, fun questions. All righty. Um, starting, yeah, starting with, what is your favorite karaoke song? Anything by U2. I love that. What Great. is your favorite U2 song? Um, you know, With or Without You is a big favorite. Um, Where the Streets Have No Name, one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got... I've got a wide range, but I, I know those songs. What is your favorite way to exercise either your mind or your body? Big reader. Um, I love to read. I love to learn um, conferences, podcasts. Yeah, so definitely my mind. Love that. Who is one person, dead or alive, that you'd like to have dinner with? I would like to have dinner with my 16-year-old son, He has promised me, so I've been carrying this gift he gave me and a a coupon for dinner together since Christmas. He has now (laughs) re-upped it for my birthday, and I'm really hoping he delivers, and um, I'll guilt him into it. If if we don't have dinner by the time this podcast airs, he's in trouble. I I think so. We'll hunt him down. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, What book has had the greatest impact on your life? You know, um, I'm going to call out Man's Search for Meaning here by Viktor Frankl. He was a Holocaust and concentration camp survivor and wrote about his experience and, you know, Man's Search for Meaning and Purpose and uh, what ultimately connects us all. And it was, it was an amazing read um, that really transformed my perspective on humanity. I love that. All right. So to close uh, the past five, so um, – I think you may have heard this already, but so we have this tradition at Fairy Godboss. We ask everyone who uh, comes within our world to brag. And the reason for that is that we see in studies that women are just statistically less comfortable bragging. So what can you brag about one of your biggest accomplishments? I love it. So I will brag on behalf of my team in Hilton, super proud to be um, named uh, Fortune magazines and great places to work, number one best place to work for in the U.S., uh, best place to work for diversity and best place to work for parents. And I think that is because of the awesome culture that we have built and in particular that the HR team has contributed to. So super proud of that. Well, congratulations. It is a huge deal and a real testament to you and your work. So congratulations. 
that's really exciting. Thank you. All right. To close us out, I am going to ask you to leave our audience with the one piece of career advice you want to share that you think they should leave here with. Yeah, thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I will leave with a quote that um, inspires me, actually, from Brene Brown. And it's really around um, not sacrificing your growth for comfort. So I would choose growth, choose courage over comfort anytime. It'll pay dividends throughout your life. I love that. And I love Brene Brown. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, this, you really inspired me. I loved hearing your, your thoughts of, about how we can help each other, how we can create safe spaces for each other, how to find balance. Uh, great guidance, and we love what you're doing at Hilton. Congratulations. Thank you so much for having me again. Love the mission of Fairy God Boss, and uh, really appreciate being here today. Thank you so much. Love this conversation. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.